You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. Your weekly look at movies, video games, and more brought to you by your hosts, A. Scully and Sitor. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Hello and welcome to After The Show. Hello, Sitor. Goodness. Hello. I'm Chipper. Again. You, you are. Should I do one week where I'm real, like, lethargic and... I don't think you could, if you oh. try. So, no. Let's say no. What's the before the after the show discussion? Mmm, what was it? I We're talking about this movie? The little tiny bit. I didn't want to talk too much, so we could talk There's about it. There's a lot it. of silence. Yeah. Before the after the show thoughts. <laughs> this... <laughs> This is a thought I always have every week, right? Okay, okay. So we watch the movie, and then you're just, you look at each other and you want to discuss it with each other, but then you feel like you waste a discussion that you won't use again on the podcast. You're like, you won't say it again because you already said it. Fascinating. Does that happen for you? Um, not really. Sometimes I feel like <laughs> I've discussed it already, so then when I actually do the podcast, I'll kind of blank that information that was useful out. I get you. But no, so, not really. So I try not to say anything. That was hence the silence. Got it. So it's Saturday, November the 19th. Because we have no other life except for when we watch a movie and then we talk about it and that's it until seven days later when we watch another movie and we talk about it. We stay silent <laughs> between podcasts. I think everyone would find that hard to believe. So it's Saturday, November the 19th. This is after the show 763. We're a movie review podcast. Every week we look at a new movie. This week we're looking at the brand new movie, Amsterdam. It's a 2022 release. It's on streaming. It's rated R from our friends at 20th Century Studios. Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of the movie Amsterdam. An unlikely trio thwart a plot in, I think, the 1930s-ish for some rich business people to take over the American government. All right, I'll give you the I one. I mean, this sounds tin. pretty dry. The one off the tin says, in the <laughs> 1930s, three friends witness a murder and are framed for it. They uncover one of the most outrageous plots in American history. That's it. That's true. It's all true. It's all true. I want to say um, that that is slightly wrong because it says three friends witness a murder and are framed for it. Only two witness the murder. That is true. Yes. Oh. And also only to a frame for it. What who, a wrote bad, the, who wrote the box? Somebody who didn't watch the movie, clearly. Who wrote the box? Who wrote the box? Get it? No. Anybody? You know. Don't get it. You know what I'm saying. All right. So Amsterdam, what did you think? I loved it. The end. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we don't discuss before, because I can run out of discussion very quickly. I think I say this whenever I really love a movie, I'm like hooked from the beginning I'm just on the track. You know what I mean? I'm hooked mm -hmm. in. I'm locked in for the ride. And seriously, Christian Bale, from the very first bit, I just... And I'm not even a huge Christian Bale fan. I mean... I would say you're a, like, non... You, you usually don't like him at all. I, I mean, mean, you usually... I don't like, dislike man. him. No, no, I'm... I'm mm, you know, but American Psycho, obviously. Yeah. I wasn't a fan of the Batman. There was something else I really liked him in, the, the magic one. 
The prestige. Yes. So I ha- we have our rocky relationship, me and Bale. So <laughs> for this one, though, I was just, I don't know. The character, first of all, completely. Okay. So he plays a doctor who's been to World War One. He's lost an eye. He has lots of injuries. He wears a back brace thing. And his heart is to help all other veterans yeah. from World War One. But the thing is... <laughs> He's a bit shifty, I think, because he makes up his own you medicines. <laughs> he makes up his own <laughs> methods. He creates medications that eh, questionable, right? We're not talking about FDA approved stuff. If there even was an FDA back then, I don't know. So he gets barred from doing medicine, but then he's like practicing in an alleyway to help these veterans from World War One who've like missing limbs and have parts of their faces missing. And he's making prosthetics and, you know, he's just, and it really is for good. He is the person in the movie who I never waver from knowing. He doesn't know another way except to just help. The people he cares about are the veterans and then these two friends that he makes, right? And that's it. He's got a heart, a real warm heart. He does, but it's very focused. Like he, he doesn't see beyond that. And so I really... I love the way he played it. He's kind of neurotic a little bit, but not the obnoxious kind of neurotic, you know, like a stupid Woody Allen character. (laughs) He's not that kind of neurotic. And once I met him and then his friends and then his friends are 100 percent. I'm just like, how can I equally distribute my affection for these characters? Because usually it's you're in love with one, right? Yeah. And then everybody else kind of supports that. Every single time one of them was speaking, I was completely... I don't even know how to describe it. Uh, what's besotted? the guy's name? John David Washington. My goodness. I just, I'm, yes, besotted. I'm like hypnotized. Margot, what's her face? Margot Robbie. What's her face? <laughs> I can't, I couldn't help it though. I just felt like their characters were like, I don't know, maybe I was just in the mood to be taken to a place and I'm not an escapist kind of movie or uh, lover person, right? I don't watch it so I can get lost in the fantasy. But this took me there. And I was, I mean, it's got a heavy handed message. I get that. You can kind of roll your eyes near the end. I get Mm -hmm. that. However, getting there, I was, I'm, I'm a huge fan. One of the things I would mention about it is it's got a rhythm to it, this movie, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a slow rhythm, but it's uh, like, it makes you feel cozy and warm. Like it's, it's like cinematic stuff washing over you. Oh, nice. Because like every shot is beautifully created. They create like New York, is it New York City? Yeah, it is. They create 1930s New York City and this like, I kept looking at it wondering how they did it. (laughs) Clearly it's, I mean, not clearly. It's Hollywood. It's got some CG and stuff, but you don't notice it. You just really looks like. You believe it. Yeah. And there's this soundtrack that's kind of washing over you. It's not an action movie because there isn't any action or anything like that. Nobody has a car chase. There's not like a run across the rooftops or anything like that. It's a drama, like through and through. True. And there isn't a moment in the movie where somebody isn't talking, really. And it's lots of super long conversations that often feel pretty realistic. Conversations between friends and then... It feels like you're on the edge of something all the time, too. Like, um, Yeah. And you don't know what for a long time. Did you know where this movie was going? Because no, I had no, clearly I no had idea. I had no clue, and I was glad of it. I mean, it starts off like a murder mystery, and you're thinking, oh, is this something like Death on the Nile that we watched? 
who is it, who done it, who is it, but it isn't that. And it kind of plays up a little bit of a hokiness at first, like it's a little bit. It's definitely like Fargo has like a sense of humor to it, but it's a serious subject. Yes. So like you're kind of like, okay, it might be a bit goofy, but it doesn't go as far as goofy, does it? No. It's kind of stays behind that wall. But there are, I would say there are characters that near the line of Goofy, but are more like caricatures of people. Yes. Like the Mike Myers character. And in it here. is very of the idea of those old fashioned movies where there's some like hokey, you know, like the British guy from The Mummy, you know, that kind of like, yeah. uh, you know, kind eye rolly. Slapsticky? Yes, a little bit slapsticky. Like when he takes a pill that he's invented. Uh, to help him with his pain, and then he just passes out and he hits the floor. Well, the the lady who works in his office is always coming running with a pillow. So you're like, oh, so she's used to this? Like, she's coming with the pillow, hoping to catch him before he hits the floor, but then she never does, and she's like, you know, it's a little slapsticky. But that stuff mixed in with the overriding messages of, you know, anti-tyranny, <laughs> which is a good one, and pro-love. <laughs> like, those are the big ideas Mixed with some of this sort of... It's got a bit of everything, I think. It starts, you think, okay, immediately introduced into this, oh, there's been a murder. And you're like, okay, so that's what this movie's about. Well, it is about that because it always comes around to that. But it's not really about the murder. It's more about this, like, it involves everything. It involves the whole world at some point, right? Yeah, I just summed it up for you. Were you not listening? It's anti-tyranny and pro-love. That's it. That's what it's about. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it involves, what do you call it? What are Nazis? Conspiracies. Um, jerks? <laughs> <laughs> political conspiracies by, it's like a political conspiracy put together by the wealthiest, how they portray it, American businessmen and... Like the, this isn't the names, but I'm just saying if you, well, you're probably not old like us, but Rockefeller or Elon Musk, you know what I'm saying? Like the Bezos of the world back then who ran like the media companies, the oil companies, the pharmaceutical companies, that they're all together in on this plot to number one, take over the main governments of the world. Now we're not focused on that in the whole movie. It's just this one. And that's where the plot ends up. They want to put this general in place in the white house to take over for the current president so they can have a puppet government, right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. And also on the side, it's a very racially charged thing because they're also believing in the master race. It's not explicitly put out there, but they are involved in clinics that lure African-Americans in. Now, remember, this is the between the 19 teens and the 1940s, lure them into these clinics to do experiments. They pay them. But what they're actually doing is rendering them unable to have children. Yes. So it's forced reproductive control of what they consider the lesser, a lesser race. Everyone is lesser than them. So let's just put it that way. So you've got that. That is not an overt pressure point in the whole of the movie. It is just another one of the things where you're like, these assholes, like we yeah. can't, you can't let the assholes win, right? And it's another one of those things where you go in, I didn't expect this movie to go this direction or, you know, because it goes several directions and the ending is something else. Like, you know, True. even even goes to a dreamlike state sometimes when something might happen in a room, but it didn't really happen. Mm -hmm. It's just what somebody was think thinking at the time. So 
let me just say, this is actually, it says at the beginning, this um, story is most based on mostly facts or something at the beginning. No, it said some of this really happened. Right. So um, the actual thing, I'll read this to you. Okay. The film was inspired by the business plot, a 1933 political conspiracy in which wealthy American businessmen and bankers plotted a military, military coup d'etat to overthrow President Roosevelt and replace him with a fascist veteran organization headed by the U.S. Marine Corps Major General Smedley Butler. But then what happened? Butler testified in front of Congress debunking, or like exposing it all. Exposing That it was all. real. So That's they put, real. They put that in the movie. But this story of these three friends is not real. I mean, we don't know that. All <laughs> we know is that this one general did testify. It is documented. It's actually like video, they made a video reel of it. So we have that as your basis of some link to reality. Yeah. Because in this movie, Robert De Niro is the general and he does give testimony to say, like, this is what's happening and I'm not going to stand for it. Really well made. I thought the filmmaking was excellent. There wasn't a moment where I was like, this is bad filmmaking or this seems a bit cheap or that actor's not doing a good job. I don't think there was anything I could complain about in the way the film was constructed. Oh gosh, no, it was gorgeous. Gorgeous. Yeah. It's, and the, the like I say, the soundtrack, the sound effects, you know, nobody's mumbling the lines or anything. Everything's <laughs> easy to digest, let's say. Because sometimes these days, you know, you get mumbly lines, you get music over the top of people. Well, it's usually just, I'm the one complaining about that. But this one's technically correct. Everything's seems perfect to me. And... We didn't mention the cast. Let's go on to the cast because this is quite the cast. Christian Bale as Burt Berenson. You know, I would say he's like the the major heart of this movie. Absolutely. I know he does have two friends there, but it starts with him and ends with him, really. And I always like Christian Bale. I think he throws himself into something. And we know from the stories. In fact, there's a story on this movie here. He originally started on the set and he was talking to Chris Rock just out of character and then realized that Chris Rock was so funny he couldn't deal with him, so he didn't talk to him anymore because he needed to keep in character. I mean, I don't know if that's important. Because so that's we hear just, those... No, I'm a, not saying that's important. I'm saying we hear those stories <laughs> about him that he's really difficult and he's a true actor-actor and all that kind of thing. But I think he, the results that come out of him are exceptional. In this one, he's very funny which was unexpected. Very funny. You know, he's got a fake eye that is prone to falling out quite a few times. Mm -hmm. It always, you know, that's the slapsticky kind of thing in this movie. Uh, Margot Robbie plays Valerie Vose. What do you think of Margot? What's loved her it. face? Loved what's her, her face? Absolutely loved what's her face because, I mean, there is a line that I have, I'm kind of a hard nut to crack. I'm not impressed easily with things and I think some people are a little overly smushied up their own ass about an idea like the artsy fartsy wild character like she's an artsy fartsy living freely kind of woman she does her artwork which is a bit avant-garde you know and romanticizing the idea of a person like her so much that she's almost irresistible now normally i don't fall for that <laughs> <laughs> but between Margot. And some of the artwork that whoever made in the movie, and she could have done it herself, I don't even know. And then the concept of her sort of wrapped all up together, it reminded me of like a Frida Kahlo kind of character, yeah, you know, where... She's a nurse when we meet her. Right, but she's an artist. Like she's, 
she's free. She just wants the world to be free and live and live with art and love. And like, you know, she's a bit, a bit wacky and sometimes that irritates me, but this time, I don't know. There was just the right balance of everything. And I I adored her. For the first few minutes, I was having a hard time removing Harley Quinn from her. Because, oh, not me. I didn't even think of it. Because Harley, I've just played a Batman game where Harley Quinn is doing art, all this crazy artwork in a cell, and I'm like, oh, hold on. Margot Robbie used to be Harley Quinn, or she still is, and then, you know, it kind of I all mean, blurred I mean, that's together. just kind of a you thing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I did like it. Uh, John David Washington plays Absolutely amazing. Harold Woodman. Uh, yeah. Uh, amazing. There were times when he's looking straight at the camera, saying the thing, and I'm like, I just, I'm like... I get what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you have hypnotized me. I can see the swirly things in my eyeballs like, oh, you know. And we saw him last in uh, Tenant. Tenant? Is it Tenant or Tenant? Tenant. That's up to your little accent yeah. to decide. It doesn't have an N, right? I'm assuming. It's not like a tenant. Somebody lives in your house <laughs> and gives you some money. <laughs> All right. Andrea Riseborough plays Beatrice. Again, she was very good. Beatrice is Christian Bale's. Yes, lady. I mean it's not a lot. The red yes, lady. she's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, she's rich with her parents. They really only care about the son-in-law, Christian Bale, as a doctor, like fitting into the whole rich superficial thing. people. He's not that at all. Like he, you know, like they're embarrassed. He wouldn't even let him treat. The veterans at the clinic where this father-in-law was like the probably the head doctor. Because it or demeans them in yes. some way. Yes. And so, yeah. So she did a good job though of being really weird because she was kind of like from the movie Crash. Yeah. She was getting off on all of his weird injuries. That was weird. Oh, she was from uh, Andrea Riseborough was from um that movie that Brandon Cronenberg did recently. She was in that. Okay. Yeah. Anna Taylor Joy as Libby Vose. We've seen her in Last Night in Soho recently. What did you think of her? The Witch. The Lady from The Witch. Oh, yeah. Good. Because, uh, you know, you don't know really where she's coming from. No. And she's like... She's not great. She's fangirling <laughs> over Robert De Niro. Yes. Like, you know. I think she's fangirling over this weird idea of men with power. Yeah. And money. And so she's kind of vulgar and gross. But fun to yeah, watch. Yeah, she was. Chris Rock as Milton King. He's not in it a lot, actually, Chris Rock. He's in it three or four scenes. Yeah. Good, though, because it did remind me, if you want to go and watch something cool, go and watch season four of Fargo that starred Chris Rock. It was amazing. It was really good. Michael Shannon as Henry Norcross. What do you think of Michael? Always good. Always good. Uh, is an unlikely one. They were kind of like reminded me, because uh, so these are guys, government guys, so we're going to get to him, I'm sure. What's his face? You know, hmm. Randy, baby, that guy. Yeah. Mike Myers and him are government agents, British and American, trying to thwart this whole plan. Yeah. But it kind of gave me the vibe of, again, going back to the slapsticky, almost like old timey, dumb cops in a movie. You know what I mean? Like kinda, A bit James Bond in the 70s, those cops that they might introduce not you though, to. No, 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 not those. More like British movies where the the one that Sherlock Holmes works for or his brother, whoever downtown London, them, that one. Scotland Yard. Yes, but they're all a little bit buffoonish. And mm -hmm. so that's a little bit what they reminded me of. But they well, were good at it. <laughs> yeah. 
I've also got Taylor Swift as Liz Meekins. What do you think? She was very good. I was like, that's Taylor Swift. That's Taylor Swift. And then she was really good. And then one of the best special effects stunts I think I've ever seen. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, Are we going to tell them what happened to her? Well, it happens in the first five minutes. So it does. But it's I mean, if you're going to watch this movie for Taylor Swift, uh, (laughs) you should watch it anyway. (laughs) She's not in it very long Mm -hmm. because someone pushes her in front of a car on the street or truck or whatever. And it's like, remember, this is 19... 20s-ish, 30s-ish, or before. 19... Would have been in the 30s, because it's... The war ended in uh, 1918-ish is when we first see the scenes. Like, it ended in 17. And then he said 12 years. It's been 12 years, so we're in 1930. So, whatever car or truck would have been then. And just runs right over her. And, I mean, there's... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure if we stopped it frame by frame, I wouldn't be as impressed. sure it's a dummy. I was like... (gasps) (laughs) It's like... First of all, damn, Flav is hardcore, right? And she was fine. She was good at falling down the road. She was good at like doing her lines. I felt that she was really that lady. You think they really threw Taylor Swift under the truck? I like think so. that's how they got the She's a tough lady. She could handle yeah. it. I you know, can get a lot of insurance. She's fine. And then Timothy Oliphant as Taryn Milfax. To be fair, it could have been anyone, but because yeah. it's telling Timothy Oliphant, I said he's not usually the bad guy. No. And this is more like he's just a thug. He's not like a villain. He's just sort of a, like a Jaws character from James Bond, right? He's just the thug who goes around doing the dirty deeds. Um, but you don't really get to know him much. And he looks kind of grotesque and weird. And Exactly that. We've got Mike yeah. Myers as Paul Canterbury. We mentioned him earlier. I didn't, I was looking at him going, is that Mike Myers? <gasps> you didn't instantly know that I was Mike Myers? I didn't instantly know, oh, no. Wow. Because he's got like weird contact lenses in or something. Oh, he was, it's instantly old Mike Myers. Also, Rami <laughs> Malik as Tom Vose. Um, Rami was really good. Creepy in this Creepy. weird, subtle way. Yes. And finally- He had a lot of Freddy. Those, let's be honest, he channeled a little bit of Freddy. That's because that was uh, perfect for him, that role, right? So he, it's kind of- I don't know. It just sort of came through a little bit, but- and he Robert De Niro as General Gil Dillenbeck. He was good because I questioned his uh, what he was going to do. So yeah. I wasn't sure. Yeah, I thought he was good. The speech, he was, you know, when he's delivering the speech, yeah. and then let's say there was some gunfire going off, and he's like, whoever's shooting at me, <laughs> you're a coward. <laughs> like, real real calm. like Because <laughs> he was a general from five wars. He, like, nothing was phasing him. I don't him. give a fuck if you're shooting yeah. at me. Uh, you're really good. So, uh, and then when Christian Bale gets out, he goes, are you all right? He's all right. He's okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So there are moments like that where it comes across almost farcical. There are actually most of our, like our main people there at the end, they're, they're on morphine or whatever it is that they put in. No, it was that stuff. We just saw it on, um, the history. Okay. We watched Max Miller who does history food stuff on um, YouTube, on, on the YouTube. And he was talking about rations and he showed that. Pervine or Pavine or whatever that they would give soldiers in Europe. Because remember, the guy said, I hear in Europe they're giving him a drug that makes you strong. It was in Europe. And if you look close at the what it actually is, it's methamphetamine. And you drop it in your eyeballs or you put it under your tongue. And it, they gave it to soldiers in their ration kits as a thing to just with the cigarettes and their gum <laughs> and food. So when I, as soon as I saw the name of it, I was like, oh, I know exactly what that is. And it was like an acceptable thing. Christian Bale, when he put it in his eyes, <laughs> like, I can't feel any pain. I'm, 
Wow, that's quick. <laughs> that's really quick. <laughs> yeah. So the end of the movie there, there's people who are a bit off the face. So it kind of gives this odd, you know, feeling to that end scene, but really good. David O. Russell's the director. He directed American Hustle, Silver Linings Playbook, High Heart Huckabees, Three Kings. What do you think? I like the style. You like I Heart Huckabees. I did. I believe. I like Three Kings. Yeah. What was the other one? Silver Linings Playbook, which was an Oscar-winning movie, but I don't think we watched it. No, but I did like American Hustle. Yeah. And there is a certain, there is a good woven flow of the ridiculous mixed with the authentic, like, deep message that he wants to do. It's a little heavy-handed. I'm not going to, you know, sweeten it up, but it's a little heavy-handed. But also the pacing of things. There are times when you're like, whoa, 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 boom, boom, boom. Like we're seeing a thing and a thing and a thing. And then all of a sudden you get a really like several seconds of someone just slowly moving in toward their face because they're actually, you're actually to like absorb thinking about something, not with a big reaction or anything. Just it all of a sudden goes whoop. It's like you're in, it's not slow motion, but it's like you're brought down just to slow down a little bit and think about this person and the next thing that's going to happen, what they're going to say, what they're going to do. I really like that. Yeah. One thing also that this movie brought to me was uh, like Coen Brothers movies, like Barton Fink, Fargo even. It had that, like, it might be on the edge of comedy, but then all of a sudden it's not like, it's pretty serious. Correct. So you know, you don't, sometimes you don't know if you're supposed to be laughing or like uncomfortable. uncomfortable yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I like that about it. IMDB reviews. What are those? Well, it's a website called the internet movie database.com. IMDB for short. It's been around forever, right? Since like the beginning of the internet. The beginning of time, actually. Right. So of course, at some point they opened it up to reviews from schmuckos like me and you. And you can just go in there and write whatever you want about movies. I'm sure if you're hateful and racist or terribly sexist or something else, they might delete it. I don't know. So you go out there and you find one star reviews. Those aren't one star as in the best. That's one star as in someone took the time of their life to watch either a tiny portion of a movie and then come and tell everybody how shitty it is, or they've watched the whole thing and then come and whine about how they want their hour and a half back. So you like those. All right. Talking about that is the first review. (laughs) Obviously. The first guy says two and a half hours of my life that I'll never get back. Right on, dude. Or more specifically, two hours and 14 minutes. It just felt like three hours. I genuinely have no words. As I sat in the empty auditorium, I asked myself, what was the point? The murder? The comedic attempts which fell flat? Chris Rock was the only person who managed to get a chuckle, and that was because he's a professional comedian. The conspiracy? What is this all about? Is this about Trump? I can't even understand it. Were they preaching at me at the end? It was disappointing, sad, and heartbreaking. The end. I love it when people use that little thing we love to call confirmation bias to... Make everything in the whole fucking world about them. Because we all know it is, right? The universe revolves around that person. Ugh. This one says, Dense, confusing mishmash of a plot <laughs> with a bunch of hammy stars who are all overacting. Build as a comedy, but it's not a comedy. Not funny at all. The funniest thing was a woman getting pushed under a car. That's how bad it is. Oh my God. 
That was not funny. That was awkward and terrible. Wow, this guy liked that. And finally, extremely boring. Probably the most boring movie I've ever seen in my life. It seems like they spent almost all the budget on the cast and filmmaking, but forgot to write a plot. While the setting is beautiful to look at, the characters are almost the whole movie just talking to each other. So boring. Oh my God, people talking to each other? <laughs> oh my word. What That's kind acting. Of, what, kind, what kind of bullshit art is this? All right. So oh that is the God. people on there. Let's that give it a score. Long. I'm going to give Amsterdam an 8 out of 10. I'm giving it a 9. Oh, nice. Yeah. Highly recommended. I really, 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 really liked it. So recommended by us. Go and watch it. Correct. Next week, we're going to look at the movie Don't Worry, Darling. Do you know this one? I don't. It stars Florence Pugh from Midsommar. Pew, 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 pew. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Harry Styles from The X Factor. From Harry Styles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll look at that next week. Movie recommendations. I am going with a David O. Russell film, Three Kings, which is... Very different to this movie because it's hyper-stylistic. Do you remember the color palette of that movie? Yeah, it's very it's bizarre. Kind of like druggied up or something? Yes. Right? Okay. It's like you're on drugs while you're watching it. Uh, so Three Kings, and I'm also going with a Christian Bale movie that I absolutely love and I'll always recommend, American Psycho. You do love that movie. It is very good. An amazing performance. It's a little scary. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know what American Psycho is. <laughs> oh, and I'm going to give you five movies from the 90s. We're now into 1997. This isn't a testament to their quality. I just watched them. And so I'm telling you all the movies that I can remember that I watched, even if I can't fully remember watching them. But I know I did. Breakdown. I think that's, it's not the, you know, falling I down. I don't know it. I think it's still Hazard Stallone. I know I've seen I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. Austin Powers. There we go. I've looped it around. Yeah. One of our faves, The Fifth Element. Oh, yeah. Again, a little preachy at the end. Not going to lie. You know? Very good, though. Not preachy like religion, but preachy as in they've got an idea they want to inject into your brain. Nil by mouth, which loops us back to The Fifth Element because it's got his sister in it. And it's directed by Gary Oldman. Directed by Gary Oldman, his sister, who's from the EastEnders, which we watch. Another British thing. Austin Powers is British. I'm just really hooking it all together here. And then also, what's my last one? Oh, The Ice Storm. Yes. And that's it? I think I know that one. All right. Ace Gully stuff. I've been playing a huge game this week, God of War Ragnarok. Sid Talks watched quite a bit of God of War Ragnarok this week, probably. Yeah. So it's the continuation of God of War 2018. I don't I don't really want to talk about it. I just want to say, I was saying to you, Sony, whenever Sony first party studios, you know, Last of Us, God of War, Ratchet and Clank, Sly Cooper, whenever they make a game, I always my ears prick up. I'm like, oh, I gotta get that game. Because they're some of the best games I've ever played. Uncharted, I'll throw that in there as well. And God of War Ragnarok, you know, it's probably one of the biggest budgeted games ever. That doesn't make it good. It's not the budget that makes it good. It's the creativity of the whole thing. What do you think? Would you like it as a game? I mean, it's not the kind of game that you would play. No. Because it's a difficult... It's an action-adventure game, but the actual meat and potatoes of it is like combat. Yeah. It's not shooting, but you are beating things up, let's say. In between all that is this really 
like expertly interwoven story that I think somebody like you who doesn't even play this kind of game, you can still watch and admire the story to it, right? True. Same as Last of Us. You're never going to sit and shoot stuff, but the story is good, right? And God of War Ragnarok, you know, it's this Norse mythology story with Loki and Kratos and Thor. You know, it's not the Marvel stuff that you know. It's the mythos uh, of Norse mythology. Like, the, I was going to say the real thing, but not the real thing because it's not real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The um, gods that they sure, wrote sure, about. Sure, 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 sure. So what, what did you think? Did you like the, uh, what do you like about it? Well, I mean, I don't think it's for me to say that it's your game. Well, I give it a 10 out of 10. Right. Oh, I love watching it. It's an interesting story. I mean, I like puzzles. I like all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of puzzles, more mm-hmm. puzzles than I was anticipating. Yeah. And I'm just going to put this out there. You completely and utterly underrate how much I offer you when you're playing. So let's put that out there. It would take you so much longer to finish some of these parts of this game because you don't have the same brain as me. I'm not saying it's better. I'm just saying it's different. <laughs> <laughs> I see things. I'm like, did you not see that thing over there? And you're like, oh, no, I wasn't even looking. I'm like, are you kidding me? This game is a tragedy without me. <laughs> yeah, it does have a lot of puzzles. And it has some puzzles that make you, you'll be scratching your head for like 25 minutes. And then when you solve it, you'll be like, that was it? Because sometimes I think you th- both of us think too hard into a thing, right? You're like, oh, this. Not me. This is like super complicated, but then it ends up being really simple. You know, I was doing one earlier on where you just had to fire an arrow basically at a thing. And then the door opened. And because I've been so conditioned to like doors not opening very easily and me having to do 50 things to open a door, I'm like, there's no way it can just be you you throw your axe at the door and it opens. But Mm -hmm. that's what it was. But I spent 10 minutes going, okay, so what am I supposed to join and where am I supposed to climb? And no, it wasn't that. You just... But open the door. Right. So that's got a war Ragnarok. Uh, there's another game I've been playing this week, American Truck Simulator Texas. It's the new DLC for American Truck Simulator. I always like to mention American Truck Sim because it's an awesome game. And they put out like three DLC packs a year. This one is Texas, which is their biggest. I mean, is it the biggest state in America? Alaska. Oh, is Alaska is. State. Okay. We've had Alaska already. Mm-hmm. Um, in American Truck Sim. But they're saying Texas is their, maybe they've just done more roads in this one, but it's mm. their biggest expansion pack. And Texas is huge compared to some of the other states they put out, but it's not more expensive. It's the same price, $14.99. I did t- tally it all up the other day. If you go and buy American Truck Sim, plus all the states that have been released, it's about $120. Mm. Seems like a lot. But if you've been buying it as it went along, it, it really isn't. You know, because it's hours and hours of play. So American Truck Sim, it's on Steam. It's weird to me that there's no console versions of this game. Because I think it would be really good on the consoles as well. You know, it doesn't need a steering wheel. You can use a controller. Yeah. But I know they're a small team, so they probably concentrate all on Steam. So, Sito, what's for dinner? Potato, not chicken chicken, peas and carrots. And that's because we're vegetarian and everyone seems to think... When you're vegetarian, you don't eat anything. It's not true. We don't eat salad every day. We don't eat super high-end, fancy vegan. We're not vegan. Vegetarian. We still do dairy and eggs and cheese. Um, We had some pasta yesterday. Oh, my God. That was so good. And it was from Aldi. Yeah, Aldi pasta. Pumpkin and sage filling. And then I made 
broccoli and cauliflower. I put some fake, people like to call it fake cheese. I like to call it American cheese. Fuck everybody who doesn't like it because don't be a snot, right? I am, can be a snot about it, <laughs> not you. <laughs> put a little bit of that and a little bit of cheddar cheese, melted that all together, put it on the pasta. What was it? Delicious. Delicious. And so today we're just having like a standard fake meat and two veg or three veg, I guess, carrots, peas, and potato. And what is your and advice? By the way, what, and then we'll everyone, leave. By the way, everyone here can hear. Where did you put the bisto? I can't find it. And you were the last one to use it. I um, <laughs> probably put it somewhere it's not supposed to be. <laughs> well, there's no supposed to, but it's not in any of the places where it seems logical I'll find to it. be. Okay. Because for you, you need bisto, right? Yeah. Or maybe I used it all. Mm, I don't think so. Hmm. Hmm. We'll find it. All right. Your advice. My advice is, it's pretty simple. It's a, it's a head scratcher. So like, you can do something with your life or you can do nothing with your life. That's all fine and good. You can make that decision. But first, I want you to define what something is. That's it. That's it. Eh? That's it. It's not advice. It's just like, uh, uh, uh what? So thank you for the advice. You can catch us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. You can catch the podcast on aschoolie.com, anchor.fm slash after the show. Uh, where else? iTunes, Spotify, anchor.fm, said that one. Amazon Music, that one. Can you email feedback to me, aschoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She doesn't want any email from you. And stay classy. Everybody involved in this movie, Amsterdam. <laughs> And I'm going to say think for yourself, because if you're not doing it, someone is definitely doing it for you. <laughs>